Well, good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. I think Layla's going to try to come up in the pulpit real quick. Let's see if Mama can stop her. Nope, she ain't stopping her. Oh, no hands, no hands. We're learning no hands going up and down the stairs. And it's doing, I know she did no hands, see? She said she wanted to sing, but I was like, no, that, that, that type of music's frowned upon. <laughs> Trust me, it's frowned upon. But anyhow, let's move on because I can get distracted and she can get into something. But if you're a guest this morning, good to see you this morning. Hope you're having a great day. If you're at home and you're a guest as well, don't forget, text the word WELCOME to 704-459-5575. Also, next week is Easter, right? Christ has risen. We can celebrate all year, but we especially celebrate next week. So Good Friday service is going to be at 8 p.m. here. And Easter Sunday, we're having an outdoor worship, 915, coffee and donuts. Please bring a chair for our worship at 10 o'clock. That will be here as well. Uh, so all that is coming up. Next week is Easter, and Christ is alive and well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Father, I know that we, we stop during this time of year, and, and, and thank you for sending your Son who defeated death and walked out of the tomb for us. But, Father, he's alive and well all year. And, Father, we know that we must turn to you, and you alone can cure anything that we got going on. And Father, we pray right now the right person is tuned in online or will tune in later online or is sitting in here this morning. And Father, they don't know you. And Father, we pray today will be their day of salvation. And Father, we thank you for sending your son. All this your name. Amen.
Today, today is, is Palm Sunday. This is the day they had all been waiting on. Think about it. The day Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He had ministered out in the country, so to speak, out in Galilee and the surrounding areas. But, but throughout the Gospels, we see that it talks about a time when Jesus would go to the big city. When he would go up to Jerusalem, there he would, he would confront his, those that were in control. He would confront the powers to be. He would confront the authority and be declared the king. The Messiah would, would take his throne that day. He would save his people from their oppressors. Man, what, a, what an awesome day. But little did they realize on that day, that it was the beginning of what we call today the Passion Week. The week in which all of eternity would hinge. Throughout the Old Testament, we, we see the, the life of Christ, the triumphal entry, the, the crucifixion, His burial and, and resurrection. It had been foretold for centuries before, but at the time, at the moment, nobody could figure it out. Nobody was able to put the pieces of the puzzle together. For instance, in, in the minor prophet Zechariah, he had, he had told of this day. But again, Jesus' disciples and his followers, they, they had not been able to connect the dots. We find in, in, in the Old Testament, prophet Zechariah's hope in a New Testament Savior in Zechariah chapter 9, if you will, Turn with us to, to that chapter. Zechariah 9 opens with a vision of Yahweh's triumphal entry and the restoration of Jerusalem or Zion. and It's the, the king in his battle and his battle for, for the dispersed people. We see in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you righteous and, and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. He will rule, uh, his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. He was telling the disciples of that day what was to come, what was to happen, what they were, what they were facing, just like today is foretold of what, what it'll be like the day when Christ returns. In the blinking of an eye, in the twinkle of, a, of an eye, that we will be called up into heaven, how the new earth will come down, how God will reign, how Jesus will reign for all of eternity. But today, this Old Testament prophecy is the day that, that it would come to pass. But what a strange way for it to begin. What a strange way for the, for, for the week to begin as Jesus enters this busy and bustling city. The, the long-awaited Messiah had come. The, the King of Israel, the King of all the earth, had come to, to claim His his throne. He would reign the world with peace and, and righteousness. 
Oh, what a day this was. His followers, His disciples, their their hearts pounded with anticipation of of what was going to happen. How was the arrival going to take place? How would He conquer? How would He come to power? Would it be? Would it be? would Would He call fire down from heaven? Or would it be a miracle? Or, or, or a miracle of nature or, or some other miracle. How is it all going to take place? The historian Josephus says that there was probably up to two million people that would have been in the city for Passover that week. Tens of thousands of sheep would be prepared for the sacrifices to come. The smell of meat roasting on an open fire and the The burning incense would have filled the air. Palm Sunday. What was this day to those who watched? Their King. Their King Jesus enter into Jerusalem. The way this King, the way He comes on the scene, it's non-traditional and bewildering to, 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 to say the least. All four of the Gospels, they talk about it. All four of the Gospels share the story of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But if you will, turn back over to Luke, back in the New Testament, and let's look at the story of Luke and and see how the story of Zechariah, the prophecy of Zechariah, has come to pass. We find that in Luke chapter 19, and and earlier in Luke, in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, Luke tells us that Jesus had already, it says, quote, set his face on Jerusalem. He had had determined at that point his ministry was done. And he was turning his face to Jerusalem. He was on a mission now, a different mission than he was before. Before his ministry was about ministering to other people. Kind of in a way showing who, who he was. But now his attention, his his mission was to go to Jerusalem. He turned his face to Jerusalem to die. And so his mission went from ministering to dying. He knew the cross awaited him in in Jerusalem. He knew what was ahead of him. And, and, And today, as he made his way into Jerusalem, all of this week's actions were put into motion. In Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through and following, read with me as we read the story of the triumphal entry. It says, After Jesus had said this, He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem as He approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives. He sent two of His disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, tell him that the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and, and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as He went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. 
Wait a minute, what? This, this king, this king is going to, to ride triumphantly in, into, into town on a, on a donkey? <laughs> really? A, a small, stubborn uh, workhorse? An animal symbolizing peace and humility? You mean he's not going to come in riding a big, strong, beautiful uh, war horse decorated for battle? Yeah, that's right. A donkey. A donkey. And notice, if you will, that there's a, there's a visual of his power over the animal. It says the unbroken colt they put him on, referenced in verse 35. Okay? And that he rode it into town, a colt that had never been ridden, an unbroken colt, okay? He rides it amongst the noise and the people and the crowd. With ease. Regardless of the scenario, he was still their king. It didn't matter what he was riding on, he was still their king, and they covered the road before him with their with their cloaks and garments, and they were waving palm branches. It says in verse 37 and 38. When they came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven on glory and glory in the highest. As I mentioned, all four Gospels mention the story. We see the story in Mark chapter 9, I mean Mark chapter 11, Verse 9 through 11. And he says in those verses, those who went ahead and, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve and waving the palm branches and, and in ancient times the, the palm, ba- palm branches were a were that they were symbol they symbolized goodness and and victory. They were put on the coins and they were put on important buildings. The palm branches were waved over military troops as they came home after being victorious in battle. The crowd shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna The word Hosanna actually means, Lord, help, please. It actually means to help us now. And so this was their cry to the Messiah, the one that was coming to save them from their oppressor. This is what they were shouting to their Messiah. There's an interesting and and obvious contrast that that unfolds on this scene as, as Jesus is begins his journey into Jerusalem. It's another visual of good versus evil, God versus man. Two two processions and two kingdoms. Historians say that at the same time Jesus would have been coming into Jerusalem from the east, Pontius Pilate and his Roman legions of armies would be marching into Jerusalem from Caesarea from the west. 
There the soldiers would be dressed in battle with, with arms clanging back and forth, banners waving high, swords glistening in the, uh, glistening in the, in the sunlight. The thundering hooves of horses and chariots and, and men marching into Jerusalem. It was meant to intimidate everyone around and try to squelch any thought of an uprising. To squelch the thought of anybody coming against Rome. It was a show of power that was coming in from the west. From the east, Jesus enters in. Jesus enters the scene from the east as men, women, and children are waving palm branches. Not on a, not on a war stallion, not armed with swords, but with, but with love. Not to intimidate, but to unmask the powers and, and conquer evil and hate with, with mercy and, and love. On the back of a borrowed donkey. Perpetual clash of good and evil is coming to a climax. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and 11, 5 through 11, it kind of clarifies what's going on and, and what's being demonstrated here. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who is being in the very nature of God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This is, this is God, the the humble one, the, the infant one born in a stable, the hated one, the silent one, the one who will be nailed to a cross. While the Pharisees saw Jesus coming into town, they, they were concerned that, uh, about Jesus' parade, about the shouting and the celebrating that was going on. You see, they were afraid that 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 parade of Jesus would draw attention of the Roman government. And yes, the Pharisees, Jesus was a threat to them. Jesus was a threat to the Pharisees, and oh, how they, how they desired His popularity for sure. But they feared the backlash from Rome even more. And so they began to, to, to find ways to, to squelch Jesus, to get rid of Jesus. In verse 39 it says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Amen. I love that right there. I love that. He's saying, I will be praised. 
Jesus is saying, you can tell them to hush, they can hush, but I'm telling you, the world, the nature, all of creation is going to praise me. As if to say, look down the road, one day you're going to praise me too. For I am God. I am the Lord. It's to say that if the people don't praise Him, look, these rocks that line the road, that are laying in the road, they'll stand up and shout praises to me. (laughs) I love that. And then in Revelation 7, it's an image of the the final fulfillment of of Palm Sunday and what it will look like. And, And so keep in mind what we read in Luke chapter 19 about about the triumphal entry and then listen to to Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10. It says, after this I looked, and this is John writing, it says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because you see, had Jesus taken the throne on Palm Sunday, had He not gone to the cross, then, then none of us would have ever been robed in the white robes or praising Him and the new age are worshiping Him forever and ever. You see, He had to die on the cross. His blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of our sin. The perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice had to be given in order for our sins to be forgiven. And so before we stand on the throne, before we, but, but, but before we stand before the throne, in our white robes, before we are to to shout hallelujahs and praising God forever and ever, He had to stand before the cross. He had to be nailed to the cross. He had to be brought off the cross. He had to be placed in the tomb. And then most importantly, He had to be raised from the dead. And because of that, we have hope in our resurrection. And see, that's what the disciples didn't get. That's what they didn't understand when, when, when they have read the, the, the Old Testament prophecies of the psalmist and, the, and Isaiah and, and Zechariah and, and, and others. They weren't putting the puzzle together. They're soon going to figure it out. They'll soon begin putting the, connecting the dots. But as of right now, they still, they still don't understand it. It says in verse 41, it says, As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. And what does it say? He wept over it. He wept over the city. He said, If you, even you, had only known on this day that would bring you peace, what would, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. This is reminiscent of several passages and verses in Jeremiah where it talks about uh, God feeling sorrowful for Jerusalem. He says in Jeremiah 9.1 where God's sorrow for Jerusalem, for Israel is shown. Jeremiah 9.1 says, Oh, that my head were a spring of water 
and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night. As Jesus wept, as Jesus made his way into Jerusalem, of course this is a current day photo, but he would have approached the city something similar to this road right here. He would have come into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives and, and this might have been something along the landscape that he, that he might have seen. Can you just imagine for a moment as, as Jesus is coming down that road and, and he just stops and he begins to ponder the future and, and think about what's coming. Think about how he's, he's going to be rejected. How the people don't recognize him and, and what he's going to experience in the days ahead. You see, as he was coming into Jerusalem, as he saw the landscape, he, he also had to have seen in his mind the cross which he would that he would be hanging on. There's a church that sits to the right of this road, a small church, and this is one of the windows in it. And if you're looking out that stained glass window, it, it overlooks Jerusalem, and you can't look out that window without seeing the cross. I have to... I have to say, that's probably what Jesus saw. As he overlooked Jerusalem, he saw the cross that he would one day hang on. He saw and he knew what was to come, and sorrow filled his heart. Even today, people reject him. Even today, people choose their own way instead of God's way. It says in verse 43, it says, The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. All of that's going to happen. All that destruction is going to happen because they didn't recognize God's coming to them. This was going to be the divine judgment of Israel because they did not recognize Him. Folks, when Jesus returns and and the, folks, there's going to be a divine judgment then for those that, that don't recognize Him, the ones that don't choose Him today, the ones that, that are living for themselves instead of for God. But on that day, on, on the day God calls us forth, on the judgment day, everyone will acknowledge Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Everyone will acknowledge Him as the Savior, as the, as the Messiah, as the exalted One, as God Himself, the One who will reign forever and ever. Amen. 
And so the question for you today, have you chosen this mighty Savior, this, this Messiah that, that came and died and, and is alive today as your Savior, as your Lord? Maybe today you're, you're, you're living a life of arrogance to say, I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need His, His salvation. And things might play out okay for you right now in this world, but, but God's Word says and He promises that one day everyone, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Do you want to spend eternity with God or separated from God? You see, we all have that choice. We all have that choice to, to live for Him or live without Him. To choose our way or His way. To choose heaven or hell. On this Palm Sunday, Jesus leads us to the temple. And he points us to the God that, that upends our notion of, uh, of power and rule and what it means in this world. The kingdom of God operates on, on, on different priorities and with different priorities than we do today, that we do in this world. This world is, is not God's world. Jesus is there among the people teaching His his followers, the very idea of, of, hum, of humility. He's offering sight to the blind and overturning tables in the temple. He's removing every obstacle there that would, that would keep us from the living God. He has taken down every barrier in our life and made it possible for you to come to Him and for you to know Him, for you to experience Him and to have everlasting life. And if you can see the king in this action, in the actions that are taking place, in the events of the week, then Palm Sunday has come. And, and so folks, if, if we live a life of, of radical love instead of retaliation, grace instead of unkindness, and peace instead of conflict, folks, we'll be living a life that, that, that invites others to the kingdom of God, that invites others to to hear the gospel, to share the gospel, to, to be a part of the gospel, and to be a part of the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus, Jesus set His face to Jerusalem. He carried His cross to Calvary. He, he shed His blood on the cross and died for us. And He was resurrected, giving us hope. Giving us hope for the forgiveness of our sin and for eternal life. Let me ask you this morning, have, have you set your face towards Jesus? Have you set your face toward the kingdom of God? Have you taken up your cross? Are you following Jesus in a way that's, that's pleasing to Him? Have you, have you died to yourself or are you still living for yourself? Have you died to yourself and are you living for Christ? That's the question. Have you completely died to yourself? Or are you completely living for Christ? 
this Sunday morning, this, this Palm Sunday morning, are you, are you shouting that, that Jesus saved you? Do you have joy in your, ha- in your heart? Are you praising God? Or are you shouting to God, God save me? God save me. Are you rejoicing because He has saved you? Are you pleading with Him, God save me? God save me. Or is it, God, I praise you. God, I I exalt you. Folks, He will accept your praise. He will accept the praise of His children. And He will give you Salvation, if you call upon Him. If you reject your way, if you humble yourself, if you confess your sins, if you repent of your ways and acknowledge Him as your Lord and your Savior, if you call upon Him and invite Him in to be your Lord, He will save you. So again, this, this Palm Sunday, are you, are you shouting for Jesus to save you? Or are you shouting... For joy that He has already saved you. Whatever your stance is in life, can you say as we sing our hymn of invitation, My Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. And I'm living my life. Or maybe I'm not living my life. Maybe I've strayed. My, My life has gone, ventured down the wrong path for a while. And God, I need to come back. Lord, take me back. Lord, I I need a time of renewal. I need to to know you once again. Where where are you? As we sing our hymn of invitation, I pray that, that you would meet with God in your time, in your place, and spend time with God, acknowledging to Him where you are and the help that you desire from Him. Let's pray. Hosanna in the highest. We praise Your holy name, God, because You are worthy. God, we come to You this morning confessing our sin, that none of us are right, none of us are good, none of us are perfect by any means. We acknowledge today, God, that You are the only perfect the only one perfect, the one that's only one that's ever lived, the perfect life. Father, today we come to you, giving our hearts to you, acknowledging you as our Lord, so that one day we'll be granted entry into your presence for all of eternity. Or God, maybe today I've never known, I've never known you as my Lord and Savior, and today I want to make that decision. And God, I confess today my sinfulness. I confess today, God, that I'm not living a life that you want me to live. God, I want to evaluate my life and turn from the ways that are that goes against your teachings. And I want to live for you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And just as the Easter season represents new life, Father, today we want new life in Christ. 
So hear our prayer, Lord. For our hope is indeed in you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.